0: We have been in Second Corinthians in a church life series called Forged uh, by, by Suffering. Um, and I know that, that I've needed it. The, the same is strength through uh, weakness. And it's amazing how uh, God brings things into your life. At least, I mean, for those of you who have been uh, pastors and preaching, you know this, Gary, sometimes you're in a series and then God makes sure you need it, <laughs> you know? And uh, so during this series, I've needed to learn uh, God's orchestrated uh, circumstances in such a way for me to learn what it means to experience the strength of God in the midst of, of my weakness. It's not pleasant, but God is. And he is with you. Uh, he is for you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. And God is enough. Amen? You know... Um, when tragedy hits or things don't go uh, the way you had hoped, um, which is, Second Corinthians addresses a lot of that, addresses suffering and, and how to live with the joy of the Lord in the midst of suffering without being in denial about what's happening. Um, when tragedy hits or heartbreak hits or disappointment hits, uh, it 's easy to to lose sight of who you really are or be confused about even your own identity. Um, you thought the world was a certain way, that your life is a certain way, and then things fell apart you know as i 've been preparing for today, I was thinking about my whole life has felt like uh, wrestling with who am I you know and and for me my You might be like me. I I don't know. But my temptation is to base my identity in how I perform. My, my, My identity is rooted in what I do. Therefore, it falls apart when I can't do it. Anybody else here relate to that? It happens so, so easily. And it started at a young age. I remember when I turned 20 on my birthday, I was depressed because I hadn't accomplished more as a teenager. I went through like a midlife crisis at 20. It was the weirdest thing, and so I was so frustrated, I just started partying all the time. And then that left me empty. And then I, I had no identity. I didn't know who I was. Our world is broken, and so are we. And so I, I think after a while of being let down by this broken world, uh, putting our faith in the things of the world and then them ripping us off. We do it over and over and over again. It's easy to become cynical about the world, about the world, and cynical about ourselves, right? You know, we think, you know, people don't change. I mean, you show me somebody's track record and I'll tell you what their future is gonna be like. And the older I get, you know, more and more I think of, you can't teach an old dog what? Right, yeah. You ever said that? I mean, maybe you said that about somebody else, but also about yourself. The reality is, that right there is the denial of the gospel. It's the denial of the good news of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. It is to to put our hope in our own strength. One of our deepest longings is for our lives to matter, for us to matter, to be somebody, to be better. But, but so often, I think, if we're honest about it, we feel like losers perpetually. And so we long for renewal. And if we don't long for renewal, then it's probably because we're in blissful denial of our failures and our sin. So we just try not to think about it so that we can function. That does not address the base issue. So who are you? What determines it? We've got to come to grips with that, especially in the midst of suffering. I want you to listen to what God's word says about you. It says this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is who you are. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God says you can be renewed. God says you can be a new creation. And it all hinges on that little two-word phrase, in Christ. Probably the most theologically packed little phrase in the New Testament. So what in the world does it mean? there are better ways to say it but let me put it this way for now being in Christ means to be united with Jesus in such a way that besides being deity all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has is yours right now today in Christ anybody here struggle with believing that i do and that's why Paul constantly hammers it because he knows that we have a hard time remembering it and if we do remember it, he knows we have a hard time believing it. Everything that is true about Christ besides being deity, all that Jesus is and all that he has is yours right now in Christ. That little phrase appears over and over and over in the New Testament. So if you are a Christian, this in Christ, this phrase in Christ defines who you are. It defines your life to the extent that you remember who you are in Christ, you will live a full life, a rich life, a joy-filled life, no matter what the world throws at you. You'll face suffering with courage. You'll, You'll face suffering with grace. But to the extent that you forget, to the extent that you don't remember, to the extent you don't see who you are in Christ, you flounder and you live a miserable life. And it's joyless because we look to so many other things for our identity that just let us down and rip us off. If you're new here, you're not a Christian yet, you're exploring what Christianity is all about, I want you to know this that this is probably one of the most important issues for you to wrestle with and think through. Uh, The question is who are you? Who are you really? Where are you looking for for your significance? And, And what in the world does Jesus have to do with all this? Well, so this is what we're going to be wrestling with. What does being in Christ mean? And to begin with, being in Christ means well, first of all, far more than whatever I can say today, but I'll give you four simple truths. And the first one is this that you have a new identity, you have a new identity. In Christ is the repeated New Testament catchphrase that defines you. And that means, that means you are not, you are not determined. Who you are is not determined by your past. Who you are is not determined by your present. Who you are is not determined by your future. Who you are is determined by Jesus' past, present, and future. Who you are is not determined by what you do. It's not determined by how you live. It's not determined by how much money you make. It's not determined by your last name, who your parents are. Your identity is determined by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for you. This totally changes the way that we see ourselves. You know... Uh, Blaze said it on Saturday. I think it was Blaze He says it's easy to think about god 's grace in our life like when we were back in high school, and then the light went on, and we went from uh, you know uh, dead in sin to alive in Christ, and that that's like the heart of our of our testimony. but the truth of the matter is is that the gospel is still relevant and God is still saving us and changing us and the gospel still applies to us right here today. Our story is ongoing. Our testimony is continuing uh, to, to grow and you'll still relearn some of those same lessons over and over and over again and so that means you'll still need Jesus' gospel of grace over and over and over again. So I can think back to when you know I was failed at this, and so I parted. Then it was empty, but then then you know God's grace became real to me, and I, I got involved in ministry, and everything should just be he lived happily ever after. He was set. That's not how it works. I remember plant, you know I planted a church a long time ago in South Bay, and and not because of me, but because of, of God ordaining everything. It it blew up, and so my identity was in successful church planter and then three years later supernaturally it seemed like it was being dismantled things all lined up freakishly for it to blow up and then things lined up freakishly to tear it apart and so my identity whether I was successful or a failure was wrapped up in that and my heart was just dragged all over the place and I don't know who who I was I'm you still have to learn this you still have to wrestle with this Yes. As long as you're on this earth, you'll continue to wrestle with your identity and need to be reminded of who you are. In success or failure, God will continue to teach you who you really are in him. And so we need to hear what God has to say. So I'm going to put some biblical truths on the screen for us to read together. I want you to read loud um, so that we can hear each other say it. In Christ, I have a new identity. I am righteous and holy. I have died to sin's rule. I have been raised with Christ. I am a joint heir with Christ. When Christ returns, I will be like him. That right there is who you are. That is your reality in Christ because of his grace and his grace alone. And my question for you this morning is, what would your life look like if you believe that more than you do today? What would our church look like if we all believe that more than we do today? Being in Christ means you have a new identity, which gives you a new story, a new life, a new purpose, a new focus. Everything else gets filtered through that. Second, being in Christ means that you have a new father. You know, I have n- I've never met anybody ever in my life, in my ministry, somebody who didn't care whether or not their dad loved them or liked them or delighted in them. I've never met anybody who didn't care about their dad. Somebody who didn't cherish the fact that they had a good dad or, or someone who was, you know, wasn't crushed because their dad abandoned them or abused them. Every single one of us wants to be loved by our father. And you know, it, it's, it's easy to lose sight, feel like an orphan if you don't know God is your heavenly father. We, we, we want even our earthly fathers to say, you are my son, I love you, I am proud of you. You are my daughter, you bring me so much joy, I delight in you. And what we eventually come to know is that no matter what kind of father you had in this life, in this earth, in Christ, that's exactly what your heavenly father says about you. In fact, the apostle John can barely contain himself when, when he writes this. You can hear it in how he says it. He says, oh, how great is the love that God has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. That is who you are. In Christ, you are God's child. The Bible says that God had you on his mind and on his heart before he created the earth. Before he spoke the universe into existence, He thought of you. He thought of Johnny Upson. He thought of Tom, Kathleen, Sherea, Kathy, James. He thought of you before he ever created the universe. And your heavenly father loves you with the same infinite love that he has for Jesus. So your father looks at you and says, you are my child whom I love. I am pleased with you. I delight in you. In Christ, God's frown, the father's frown, and condemnation has been moved forever. Now you could disagree with me if you want, but you have to weigh whether or not you disagree with the Bible prophet, speaking on behalf of God, Zephaniah says, your father delights in you with gladness. He rejoices over you with joyful songs. The perfect heavenly father, creator of the universe, sustainer of the universe, knows you, likes you, loves you, delights in you, finds joy in you because of Christ. Don't think that this is something that we've earned. (laughs) It's only by God's grace. And you won't cherish or value God's grace if you don't see that we don't deserve that. I don't. Because of Christ and His grace, your Heavenly Father will never leave you, never forsake you, never deny, uh, 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 deny you of his love. Your heavenly father always welcomes you and listens to every single word you have to say. We forget that. We reduce God to just being like a God like Zeus, maybe, who will throw lightning bolts out of you if you step out of line, you know, or maybe as, as, as your boss or a drill sergeant or whatever. God is holy, God is just, and he loves you, delights in you. We forget it. So I want us to read this section together again. You guys did such a great time last time. Let's read this together. In Christ, I have a new father. I am God's child. My father loves me with the same love he has for Jesus. My father rejoices over me. My father always welcomes me and listens to me. My father will never leave me or forsake you. I don't have you read those things just so you can get like the warm fuzzies. This is what gives you strength in the midst of your suffering. It is gospel truth and it's truth regardless of how you feel. If you're not feeling it, it doesn't matter. It's still true. That's what sustains you. His objective truth. We pray, God, please help me to internalize that and give me the joy of the Lord. Renew the joy of my salvation. Being in Christ means you have a new father. Next, being in Christ means you have a new family. Your new identity, listen to me. God didn't call you to be a rugged individual, right? That's not biblical. That's not anywhere in the scriptures. He's called us to be interdependent where we depend on each other. There's strength in united numbers. Your new identity is a family identity. And since you belong to him, we belong to each other. We are all one in Christ. And so that makes us brothers and sisters. We're all members of the same family. And Jesus has broken down all of the barriers between God's children. Race, class, gender, nationality. And he's made us all one in him. He didn't make us all the same. He made us gloriously different. So that we can better reflect the kingdom of God. And also be a testimony to a watching world now, these people are so different from each other, but they are united, they love each other. What is it? It's Christ who unites them. There's an awesome picture of this in the, in the early church. It always encourages me when I think about it. Ancient the ancient city, of, ancient city of, of Antioch, one of the most racially diverse cities in the world and one of the most racially divided cities in the world. Antioch not only had a wall around the perimeter of the, of the, of the city to protect them from the enemies, they had walls within the city to divide the different races and, and cultures to keep the peace. Everyone stayed in their own walled section. The only time that you crossed or climbed over a wall was to fight somebody. But then some followers of Jesus moved into Antioch. And the good news about Jesus began to spread all throughout the city. And pretty soon, these followers of Jesus were in all of the different racial groups. And these believers started to climb over the walls, not not to fight with each other, but to study God's word together, to encourage each other in the Lord, to, to preach the gospel to one another, to confess sin to one another, to love each other, to reflect the unity of Christ. They became a new city within the city of Antioch. This was the first time where where, uh, believers were called Christians. They didn't fit into one of the racial and cultural groupings, and so the, the, the people in the city labeled them Christians. Together they were a new city. And, you know, with all of my heart, I believe that's, what, that, that's exactly what God is doing in and through our, our church. In Christ, we are a new city. To reinforce that, in light of that, read this with me. Read it well, with conviction. In Christ, I have a new family all barriers have been broken down. We are all brothers and sisters. We are a new ethnic. We are his temple. He dwells in us. We are the new city of God. Being in Christ makes us family. We're not just some nonprofit corporation, we're family changes your view of church so many people they they treat the church as if it were a a a coffee shop or a store or a restaurant and you get one little bad experience uh, because you know a church is filled with sinners who need grace and then surprise surprise you're sinned against and then you're like that's it i'm finding i'm gonna go to this church down the street or, or whatever family doesn't do that you know if I grew up, there was lots of stuff I didn't like that my parents did or my sister or brother did. You don't bolt. You're, you're family. And you work through it. Fourth, you have a new power. This is my last point. You have a new power. Being in Christ also means the spirit of Christ is within you. The Spirit of Christ is within you, and the Spirit of Christ grows you. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, enables you more and more to be the person that you already are in Christ, okay? Doesn't happen overnight, doesn't happen completely in this life, but having the Spirit of Christ within you means that you change. How have you been changing lately? Can the people closest to you tell you how you've been changing? How you've been maturing? How you've been growing in your love for for God and love for other people? The Holy Spirit changes you. He frees you from slavery to our own selfish motives. The Holy Spirit gives you a whole new motivation by pouring his love into your heart. And as a result, you're going to grow in your love for God and you're going to grow in your love for other people. The Spirit frees you from life defeating habits, the road to destruction. The Spirit enables you to increasingly, the fruit of the Spirit enables you to put off old destructive behavior and put on new God glorifying behavior. The Spirit grows you in Christ like character. How does the Spirit do that? It's not magic. The Holy Spirit reminds you of who you are in Christ. That's how He does it. You know, in, in ministry, I've seen a couple of different types of, of people. Um, if I can kindly, if I can kind of um, crudely make a couple of divisions. Uh, some people just wreck their lives. And there are other people who seemingly have it all together. And the people who've wrecked their lives, you know, kind of have contempt for the people who have it all together. And the people who have it all together look down on those who've wrecked their lives. And eventually, what I've, what I've seen is that... Um, God works through circumstances to help people who've wrecked their lives see that they can be restored and are just overwhelmed by grace. I see that time and time again. And it's so encouraging uh, to see. And I've seen people who supposedly have it all together think that they are okay what's wrong with everybody else. If you would just work hard like me and have my discipline, you would be okay too. And if you dig a little bit, you realize, although they won't admit it themselves, they are absolutely self righteous to the core. God's grace is for other people, not for me. Jesus had some really strong words to say to people like that, people called the Pharisees. They thought they got the gospel, but they missed it completely, and it was dangerous and it was destructive. So whether you're self-righteous or you wreck your life, whether you're legalistic or licentious, in Christ, those things don't define you anymore. I mean, in 1 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul tells us, don't you know uh, the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he lists all these different things, and, and, and he says these will not inherit the kingdom of God, and that is what some of you were, but now you are washed, sanctified, justified, declared, righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. He reminds us of who we were to show us who we are now. So where has God, what has God saved you from? The longer you're a Christian, the easier it is to not think about it. And if, if you were self-righteous, I mean, if, if you wrecked your life and God changed your life, you know it. If you were self-righteous, you would know it too. You would have deep conviction and remorse over the self-righteousness that, that you've had. If you've never had, if, if, if you happen to be in the self-righteous category and you're thinking, I've never gone through that wrecked, I am wrecked because of the sin in my heart and life. Pray for that conviction. Pray for it. You need it to experience healing. Your new identity gives you a a whole new story. And the Holy Spirit, he'll keep working on you. He'll never let you go. As you soak in God's grace and who you are, Jesus, God renews you. And then your testimony of God's grace in your life will point other people to Christ. And then you can say with humility and you can say with joy, that's who I was, but not anymore. Because in Christ I am washed, I am holy, I am righteous, not in myself, but in Christ Jesus my Lord. We need to be convinced of this and so let's read this together. In Christ, I have a new power. The Spirit of Christ dwells in me. He enables me to love God and people. He helps me break bad habits and do God's will. He grows me in Christ-like character. He enables me to serve joyfully even in weakness. How is that even possible? That seems too good to be true, right? Maybe some of you are still skeptical. You might be skeptical about somebody you know, like, they're never gonna change. Any of you think of somebody like that? Or maybe you're thinking about yourself, I'll never change. Maybe you're thinking this is just wishful thinking, totally out of touch with reality. But this is real, you know why? Because it doesn't depend on you. It totally depends on God and what God has done in history. Just a few verses down from this section, uh, Paul says this, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This, This says God made him who had no sin. And who had no sin? It was Jesus Christ. God made Jesus sin for us. On the cross, Jesus took your old identity, which which was sinner. And not that Jesus became sinful, but God treated Jesus as if he had committed every single sin that you have committed. And then he died in your place. So that in him, united with Christ, you might become the righteousness of God. Not that God makes us totally righteous instantly, but God treats you as if you had lived as righteously as Jesus. So Jesus trades identities with you. Jesus took your identity and got what you deserved. So that in Christ you could get his identity and get what he deserves. That is amazing grace. So, how do we become united in Christ? By simply putting your trust in Jesus. It's a faith that says, Lord, I believe that that you have lived a righteous life for me. I believe that on the cross you died for all of of my sins so that now my sins are forgiven. And and when God, when you look at me now, I know that you see me dressed in the righteousness of Christ as if I had perfectly obeyed you as Jesus had. That's how Jesus looks. That's how God looks at you in Christ. The moment you trust him, Jesus is your king and as your savior, Then, no matter how big of a sinner that you have been, God now looks at you, united in Christ, and all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has becomes yours because you are united in him. In him you have a new identity, a new father, a new family, and a new power. So let me close with this. Are you dissatisfied with who you are? Are you discontent with who you are? My question for you is who are you trying to be? Who is it that you admire? Who do you wish you were? Is it someone other than Christ? You'll never be them. Besides, they're lame compared to Christ. Christ guarantees that you will be like him. That's a promise made good by the power of the gospel. You don't have to pretend to be somebody else. I heard a line in a movie a long time ago about a guy who stole another person's identity because he said, I'd rather be a fake somebody than a real nobody. That kind of identity crisis ruins our lives. Because whatever it is that we look to for significance other than Christ drags us down every time. What are you looking to for significance and completeness, for wholeness? You don't have to choose between being a fake somebody and a real nobody, there's another choice. What Paul said, bring the verse back up again for me. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So I plead with you. Trust in him today. Amen? Would you bow your heads